providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Continuing our conversation with Chuck Kane, Senior Vice President for the FNF National Agency Operations. Recapping the MBA's Regulatory Compliance Conference. And Chuck, in part one of our conversation, you detailed the emphasis on English as a second language and other inclusive plans for the industry. And it sounds like there are more potential requirements being considered here as well. There was a lot of discussion about lenders looking at their settlement service providers in regard to their settlement service providers, sales and marketing. If you are a title agent or a settlement agent somewhere and you've got a website, take a look at it. And does it reflect your community in terms of the photographs? Now, again, we have the Townstone case involving the CFPB in Chicago where the Bureau uh, argues that, well, you know, your employees have to reflect that community. We have a hard enough time in the title and settlement industry finding anybody to come work who seems to know what they're doing, but to be able to find people in certain communities where there's limited English proficiency, that's going to be even more challenging. Yeah. But what do you have on your website? What does your website look like? Does it reflect your community as to who you are? Because We've talked in title and settlement for years about how is it that we can market to consumers. And we've always been a B2B operation in terms of our industry. It has generally been real estate agents and brokers, lenders, attorneys, builders. They've been by far the lion's share of who we market to. But more and more consumers are going to look at your website and they're going to say, you know, I'm looking at this website and I don't see anybody that looks like me. And maybe there's somebody else in town who has somebody who looks like me or can speak the language that we speak at home and advertises it and makes me feel welcome. And this is something that title and settlement, we have to look at now. This is not something that's going to be three or four years from now. The limited English proficiency issue is a hot topic issue. And the regulators, in, we talked about the mortgage modification processes that may come out of forbearance. The regulators expect that those disclosures deal with limited English proficiency. So we're talking about the regulators saying that mortgage servicers who are going to be dealing with people this year and into the first quarter of next year, they better have their materials now. And because if it turns out that the person that you've been communicating with and they go into defaulter and go into foreclosure, but it turns out that English was their second language at home. They didn't understand the documents you sent to them. That's going to be a problem for a lender with its regulator. So the lenders are going to expect us in title and settlement to work hand in hand with them. And, and this is a good thing. I mean, this is, this is a marketing opportunity for all of us. But it could be a challenge in some communities. And so you know, I urge everybody in title and settlement, you know, take a look at what you have. Be sure that, it again, your marketing materials are reflective of your community and that if you have services for people with uh, limited English proficiency, get that out there. Do that right now because uh, this is something that lenders 
are going to be required. And they have been told, just as we all remember the CFPB's letter of 2013, where they were told that they are responsible for the actions of their settlement service providers, so will lenders be held responsible in this regard, in regard to settlement service providers. So this is something that everybody has to look at right now. And again, it's a great opportunity to be able to be out there and sell it and to be able to help your community expand its housing base. Well, with the 12,000 downloads of this podcast as we speak, there are certainly a lot of people who are <laughs> listening to this, Chuck, and going to have to take it to heart, right? I mean, this is a this is a big deal for the industry moving forward. Open the doors to home ownership. But at the same time, watch out because the back door with cybersecurity and, you know, other issues there. I mean, it's like you've got on the one hand, let's try to help as many people get into a home as possible. That's good for everybody. But the back door with the cybersecurity issues, it gets more intricate. And every day there's some new breach somewhere. I want you to touch on this while we have time, the privacy concerns. There's so many things to worry about here. What was the talking point coming out of MBA? Well, the concerns involving cybersecurity, and and I don't want to make this sound like, well, gee whiz, nothing can be done about it, but numerous counsel and one attorney who I later had a conversation with, what his practice has become is that he is legal counsel to ransomware negotiators so that if your system is hit with a ransomware demand, there are companies that professionally negotiate this and his job is to be their counsel. He said, two years ago, I couldn't dream there would be this job. It is now 60 hours a week for me. And this is just when there already has been ransomware. I would say that his view of this and where it's going was a little depressing because his feeling is like, it's just going to happen. It's going to happen over and over again. And you're going to have these problems that are going to come in. And the question is, how do you deal with them? What is your policy and procedure? when you have this problem. And again, to his view, but to many people there, it's not so much if, it's when you have this problem. How are you prepared? How are you insured? Do you have adequate insurance? Does your insurance step in and take care of this issue? What do you have in regard to replication of your data? We saw that issue back in July when uh, one of the uh, large cloud data providers had a problem with ransomware. If you have your data replicated in other places, then, well, okay, that ransomware has come in. I can shut that down, shut that off, but I have all my data elsewhere as well. And so I can keep going forward with my business. In July, when that happened, there were a lot of people who were out of business for one, two, three weeks. Some of them never came back into business. So this, it's recognized. And for those of us in title and settlement, It's a relief because we were seeing this problem as a huge issue four and five years ago. And of course, it's uglier cousin of wire fraud. The mortgage industry now understands this is everybody's problem. And the more we become integrated with our systems, the bigger the problem can be. Because if a settlement service provider's system is broken into and it then bleeds over into an integration with a lender 
that becomes a much bigger problem, becomes a much bigger problem in terms of liabilities. Again, if you're dealing with a very large, sophisticated lender, they probably have firewalls. Well, you know, if you have a problem, pal, you have a problem. I don't. But there are many smaller lenders who may not have that sophisticated kind of system. And so cybersecurity is a huge issue. There is a tremendous amount of concern about it. And where it leads then next is privacy. We are seeing more and more states pass privacy laws. California's is probably the strongest, but as was related on one panel, just because you comply with California, don't think you are in compliance with other states like Colorado that just recently passed their privacy acts because there may be subtle or not so subtle differences as to what they require above and beyond or different from California. And it was also stressed by numerous attorneys that however you structure your policy and procedure, however you have things set up in regard to your cloud-based storage, whatever you have in regard to your insurance, be sure that whoever is ultimately responsible, that they understand the responsibility and liabilities about reporting cybersecurity breaches to states in which you operate, and perhaps to the federal government. This is above and beyond calling the FBI and saying we have a problem as to a criminal issue. State regulators have requirements, and it may be that there are states in which you operate where the problem is one office of yours in one state. It doesn't affect your other offices, but you must be sure that you don't have a duty and obligation to report that breach to those other states in which you operate, where you may not have actually had a breach. And so this is a big topic. And privacy, this is a huge issue for the lending community because of just the sheer amount of data that needs to be maintained and maintained uh, securely in regard to privacy. So it's becoming an issue on steroids. And, but it is something that, again, I think to some relief that the mortgage industry has become more acutely attuned to the fact that we are not alone in title and settlement. They are not alone. In fact, we're all in this together. But whatever you need to do under your state laws in regard to privacy, be sure you are meeting those requirements. Be sure you meet the requirements of your lender and numerous attorneys who represent lenders were stressing the fact that they believe that any lender who does not get some sort of privacy or cybersecurity audit, this is a written audit by a third party provided to the lender as to that settlement service providers, privacy circumstances and policies and cybersecurity, that this would be an annual type of thing and that lenders who don't get these and then there is a breach they're going to be in the jackpot. And so they were told by their attorneys, you need to have those types of audits. Guess who gets to get those audits? We do in title and settlement and have those audits done in regard to our cybersecurity setups and our privacy. So it will continue to be an issue. It will continue to be a struggle for everyone in the industry. But lenders are going to be more and more mindful about who we are in title and settlement and what we are doing in regard to protecting the lender's customer. Boy, there's a lot 
<laughs> a lot to unpack for this. It was NBA. only a two and a half day event. <laughs> I mean, but, is, how long were you in DC? Like two weeks? I mean, uh, well, it seemed like a month, but, um, uh, you know, and again, um, anybody who uh, has more than a passing interest, this event's always in September. I urge, I urge title and settlement agents to become members of the mortgage bankers association. It is money well spent. The data and information you get is huge. As Steve O'Connor said, the Convergence Toolkit is on the MBA website. You do have to be an MBA member to get it, but it shows you how to be involved in fair housing initiatives in your community. It's It tells you how to do it. And, uh, and this event every year has always been like this because, again, it's the in-house counsel who are dealing with these issues, and then it is the major law firms who are already in litigation on some of these topics or they see it coming, or they are in daily conversation with the regulators who are like, yes, this is what we expect. Yeah. Well, real quick, while I have you, I want to talk climate change. And people say, well, what are you talking about? What's the impact on title and settlement? You know, in the Pacific Northwest, the soggy, wet Pacific Northwest, 116 degrees in Portland. This summer, it was 108 in Seattle. That's not counting the run-up to and back from that that lasted a couple weeks. Uh, We see these wildfires. If there's not a fire in your backyard, well, there's smoke in your backyard, okay? We're seeing these wildfires more prevalent up and down the West Coast. It was a California thing for so long, Chuck. So that's just my neck of the woods, okay? And I know Everybody everywhere across the country is noticing some form of climate change. You alluded to what we're seeing on the Gulf Coast is is tragic. How does this impact title and settlement? Yeah, you know, it's something where we really can't do a lot about climate change and title and settlement per se. But uh, one of the more vibrant sessions at the uh, compliance meetings was about climate change and the impact on the housing industry. And the groups at CoreLogic, I mentioned them by name because they've been leaders in this because they, they have hired scientists who have been there for years looking at this. And one of the speakers said, you know, everything that was in the models that came together in the late 80s and early 90s, it's all coming true. Now, you know, not getting into the, you know, the political ramifications that sometimes happens with the climate change as to why it's going on, that's really immaterial for us as to why it's happening. It's happening. CoreLogic has the data to show it is happening now. FHA is starting to produce that data. And historically, the losses in the mortgage industry from foreclosure due to climate extremities generally have been as a result of wind damage and then flooding. We always talk about hurricanes because hurricanes, of course, are big events. But the annual wind damage in on the Midwest from tornadoes, the flooding from river flooding, such as Tennessee experienced a little over a month ago, these have been regularly the biggest losses in the mortgage industry and in the PNC industry. Not, I mean, a hurricane comes through, it's a big hit. But now, as we move forward, these losses are becoming more extreme, and it's not just those losses. And in property and casualty, the reinsurers, particularly the European reinsurers, suddenly now they're starting to see this, that uh, they're paying out big dollars. I think that the, the German floods, uh, because that had not happened in Europe, uh, not in the mainland of Europe for some time. That brought a lot of it home because that's in the billions of dollars of losses. And so, you know, what we will see 
in terms of climate change uh, as to you know how does it affect us in title and settlement. One thing is that property and casualty rates are probably going to go up just because they're going to go up. Just as you alluded to, uh, Brian, the seven most westerly states of the United States, of the mainland United States, had their hottest summers on record. So, you know, this isn't going to go away. We're seeing tropical storms. And again, the person with CoreLogic said what we're seeing, as we thought we were going to see, yes, hurricanes may not be any stronger. They just are far wetter. And they're dumping a lot more rain. And that flooding is just as much of the damage and losses that the housing industry suffers. So PNC costs will go up. And again, we've, you know, federal flood insurance has been subsidized at some level for some time. A lot of discussions about remapping the flood zones because floods are going to be in different places than where they have been perhaps in you know, the memory of uh, the United States. And that flood insurance premiums, one person's comment was because, the, because Congress comes back to this year after year and sometimes it's fierce struggles about what it's going to take to subsidize federal flood insurance because so many congressional districts and states are affected. Yeah. By federal flood insurance. It's not just the coast. It's the rivers. It's any place where there's water. But as one person said, I would not be surprised that in the next five years, federal flood insurance costs may go up tenfold because Congress isn't going to necessarily have the money to do this. And they're going to let it inch up and inch up and inch up. And as he said, um, if you're, you know, if someone's paying $300 a year for federal flood insurance, they could be paying $3,000 a year. That is a chilling effect on housing. They also pointed out the fact that as more and more houses and people uh, build more equity in their homes and pay off their mortgages, for some reason, he said, when people pay off their mortgages, they were always compelled by their mortgage company that they had to have federal flood insurance and they cancel it. And he said, we're seeing this as a growing trend. So it is going to have impact on us in uh, title and settlement. And uh, and again, you all know your communities. You all know whether or not you have tornadoes or floods or hurricanes or fires. I don't think anybody who uh, has was operating in the Lake Tahoe and Reno area uh, had any idea that there were going to be fires as there were in that area. Closed the Reno airport, I think, for a week because of uh, extreme smoke. These are huge issues that come into play. So um, it's not just earthquakes. And of course, in title and settlement, what is your emergency disaster recovery plan? Because where before you may not have had an issue with flooding, what happens if you don't have power for two weeks? What do you do? So all that comes into climate change for us again, it's one of the few things we're kind of off the hook as far as any responsibility, but it is something that we must all be mindful of. And again, it could in in many communities drive up foreclosure rates because unlike as we were saying earlier, yes, if a house goes into foreclosure and there's equity in the home and it's still in good condition, that's fine. If a house is burned to the ground, there's nothing really to sell. Yeah. So this is going to be an issue for us and uh, it was raised and... It was one of the uh, best attended sessions because lenders are seeing these problems now. Yeah, there's no question. It's uh, an interesting time in a lot of ways and no shortage of uh, topics to download here. Well, Chuck, uh, I think this might be two podcasts 
because and I hope people don't come away from this again. Oh my Lord. And I was like, really? <laughs> um, because all these things do present opportunities as well. You just have to be in a, you know, forewarned is forearmed. Yeah. And so, you know, there are certain things that will happen. Many of them are very good things, but you need to be prepared and you need to be able to be, you know, on the good side of uh, things. We were, you know, discussing again, you know, limited English proficiency. If you have this capability, go out there and sell it. Yeah. Um, it gets you ahead of the game. So there's, there's a lot of good things. The Biden administration will be quite different from the Trump administration in many regards, but in many ways, it will remain very much the same. And I will say, too, for anyone who thinks, okay, we're going to go back to a Cordray-type directorship at the Bureau, the general consensus was, no, we're not. And the nominated director, Chopra, has in the past always listened to industry, doesn't always do what they want, but he's always been engaged with industry. And so from that standpoint, while we will probably see you know, a more vigorous Bureau, I've used the word muscular, we're probably not going to see the same type of bureau we saw under Director Cordray, where they were constantly pushing the absolute limits. There may be some limits pushed in regard to UDAP, but this bureau, uh, this is a 10-year-old operation now. They have become a mature government entity. So a little different from what uh, we probably were, what we did see during the uh, advent of the CFPB. Well, great insight as always, Chuck. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Brian, and thanks to everybody for listening. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. All rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.